Welcome back to the Southland Christian Ministries podcast. During these next couple of weeks, we will be posting sermons that were spoken at the camp from previous summers. Our speaker for today is Dr. Carl Herbster. This sermon was recorded during Southland's family camp in 2004. His message is entitled, Having the Mind of Christ When Dealing with Difficulties. Have you ever had a bad month? You ever had a bad year? I'll tell you, 2003 was quite a year for me and for our ministry at Tri-City. Some of you may have heard, but in 2003, I had five things happen to me in our ministry that had never happened in 20 previous years of ministry. First of all, in January, um, we had somebody in our church that wrote an epistle about Pastor Herbster, and it wasn't the most positive epistle in the world. And uh, they sent it uh, to everybody in our church, but not everybody in our church, but also to everybody in the American Association of Christian Schools, at least all the leadership of the American Association of Christian Schools. And it wasn't a very complimentary letter. As a matter of fact, it was a very critical letter. And if the things in it would have been true, I wouldn't have liked me either. You know what I'm talking about? You know how somebody can make it really spin you, you poorly? And uh, it was that kind of, of, of letter. And then uh, it wasn't but uh, a year ago this month when rapid fire, we had several things happen to us. Uh, I came back from a trip to uh, Romania, got a call from my associate pastor uh, that night, and he said, uh, Pastor, I hate to tell you this, but I'm afraid our youth pastor may be involved in immorality. The next day, it was anniversary picnic uh, Saturday. I'll never forget it. We had to confront him after the picnic, and uh, make a long story short, we found out that uh, he had been immoral with his secretary and uh, had to uh, resigned the ministry and uh, had to deal with that with his family. And, uh, you know, I'd never been through that before. I'd heard of other churches. Oh, but I, I hadn't heard about that. We had uh, the same gentleman turn us into the Secretary of State to do an investigation on our, our ministry because we were supposedly running a bank. You know, and uh, I didn't know we were, but that's what he said, and um, turned us into the Secretary of State. And so then we made the newspaper. You can imagine what happens when the Kansas City Star gets a hold of you, not the most conservative newspaper in the world. And they started writing all these charges and all these different things about at the ministry. And, and you know, I, we'd been involved in fighting a Hooters restaurant that was trying to build in our area. And um, they were kind of mocking us for, uh, you know, some of the things that we were trying to fight because of some of the things that were going on in our ministry. I uh, found out later that month that uh, our business manager over the past seven years are now previous time, the business manager, previous business manager who had left it embezzled over a million dollars from our church. That hit the news. That was pretty big news. And so here we are in the paper again. And if that wasn't enough, before the end of June, I found out that we had a deacon who was accused of child molestation. I mean, bam, bam, bam. bam. Have you ever had a bad year? Our theme in 04 was no more in 04. <laughs> <laughs> And we still have several situations that are pending. The embezzlement is still pending as it also went to the FBI because of his stealing from the American Association of Christian Schools as well from the Tri-City Ministries. And, and uh, we don't know when that's going to come out and hit the news again. I was on the phone to the Secretary of State's office today, and I think we've got everything straightened around with them. They've done a thorough investigation and, and found out that we're not running a bank and uh, we're, we're handling things decently and in order. And, uh, so, you know, but going through all these things, you ever just... You like it, just one thing after another. You, you, some of you shake your head. You know what I'm talking about. Well, go to First Peter chapter two. Guess what? Jesus Christ had a few troubles too. I talk to pastors a lot of times about 
dealing with situations and trials and troubles. And I try to remind them, I'll say to them, have you been crucified yet? And I don't think any of us have been crucified yet, right? So, I mean, we still have it better than the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for you and me. And why should we think it strange, the fiery trials that should overtake us? I mean, that's what happened to the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want to start reading in verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Falsely accused. Jesus Christ was falsely accused. Accusations made that were not true. He says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin. Now, I can't say I'm without sin. Can you? But Jesus Christ didn't deserve any criticism. Jesus Christ didn't deserve the crucifixion. Jesus Christ took our sin upon himself so that we might have life everlasting and might have fellowship with the holy God. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, how did he respond? That's a toughie, right? Having the mind of Christ. He reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. Having the mind of Christ in dealing with trials, can you handle the trials of life with the Christ-like spirit? After all, we're told in Philippians 2 and verse 5, say it with me, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Father, it's been a great day. We praise the Lord for all the blessings and all the encouragement, but everyone in this room could probably give testimony of days that haven't been so great. Trials that have come our way, false accusations that have come our way, grief and the difficulties. And Father, I pray that tonight you'll teach us from your word how to have the mind of Christ, how to deal with tragedies of life in a biblical way. And please, Lord, Give us all the victory through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. James chapter 1, in verse 2, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, how many of, uh, how many of you lack wisdom? Yes, your hands. All of us. If any man lack wisdom, what should he do? Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Uh, just three simple truths that God taught me, and I think God has taught our congregation in dealing with trials with a Christ-like attitude, having the mind of Christ in every situation that comes our way. Number one, rejoice in the providence of God. Rejoice in the providence of God. Doesn't this seem like a strange statement in verse 2? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Huh? Now, whoopee! I had a bad day. Whoopee! People falsely accuse me. Whoopee! We have sin in the camp. Whoopee! No, no, no. He's not talking about rejoicing in the problem. He's saying rejoice in the providence of God that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. 
we can realize that God is still God and God is on the throne and he's working all things together for good whether we understand it or not because he's God and we're simply his servants. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Important word for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. There it is again. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. Hey, after all, we're supposed to be laying up treasures in heaven. And you have opportunity every time a trial comes our way and we handle it properly and we rejoice in the providence of God to lay up treasures in heaven. Go back to 1 Peter and let's look at uh, chapter 1. Of course, 1 Peter being a, a book that deals with trials and how to handle trials and how the Lord handled trials, Let's just look at a couple passages of Scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, there's that word again, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that your tri the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, nor be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Realizing God is working through the trial. God is working through the situation to make you more like Christ. Go over to 1 Peter in chapter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But do what? We don't even want to say it, do we? <laughs> do what? Rejoice, inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Is that the way we respond? Happy are ye, for the spirit of the glory of God resteth upon you. On your part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murmurer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Just evaluate and make sure that you're, this, this is truly a trial, and this is not a chastisement for the Lord. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God on this behalf. Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knoweth the path that we take. For though when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Did you ever hear the story of Ron Hamilton? I remember him calling me and telling me. I'm going in the hospital. I've got a speck in my eye. You know, and the doctor says that if it's not cancer, I'll just come out with a sore eye. But if it's cancer, I'll come out without an eye. And that's what happened. He came out with an eye, without an eye. And he had got a patch. And it uh, sounded like a terrible thing, but in the province of God, it was a wonderful thing because now we have Patch the Pirate, who has written the thousands of songs and ministered to thousands of young people. And in the midst of that trial, what did he write? God never moves without purpose and plan when molding a servant and making a man. Rejoice in the Lord. He may, now I can see testing comes from above. God strengthens his children and purges in love. My father knows best. Do we believe that? Can we rejoice in the Lord in any situation that comes our way? That's what God is telling us to do. I um, like to uh, be involved in families' lives, both when they're married and when they're buried. You say, really? Yeah, because both are joyful times for Christians. But have you ever been to a funeral where somebody didn't know somebody was saved? There's weeping and gnashing of teeth and wailing. And, uh, you know, I've been to some of those places. You know, and I, I've, I've seen the difference between a Christian funeral 
and an unsafe funeral because we have hope for all eternity. See, God has a plan. And, and we need to realize that God has a plan and we need to rejoice in the providence of God. We need to realize that God is working all things together for good. But back in James, he says, knowing this, he says, now here's how we can rejoice. Here's why we can rejoice, knowing this. Keep this in mind. And I don't know about you, but I have to grow on knowledge, not emotions. When you're going through trials and you're going through difficulties, your emotions can take over. And, and sometimes they can control you. Why do you don't respond in the proper way? You don't look at things. You have to go back to the knowledge of the Word of God, knowing this, that the trine of your faith, the faith work of patience. But let patience have her perfect work. Remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's proper for what? Doctrine, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Same word. He says that you'll have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire. The word means complete. Mature, wanting nothing. Let me ask you something. Do you realize that God has a purpose for your life? We quoted earlier Romans 8, 28. I think it's a great verse for us to all memorize, and we need it in our life because we do have trials and situations coming. We need to realize that God has a plan, and uh, we need to rejoice in the providence of God, but there's a second thought. We need to also remember the purpose of God. Do you in verse 29 tells us the purpose of God. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Why is he doing this? So that we can become Christ-like. So that we can have the attitude of Christ. We can have the actions of Christ. So that we can prove that we can respond even as Christ when he reviled, was reviled. He reviled not again. In Ephesians chapter 4, we talk about this perfect or complete man. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 says that the, the gifts of the church were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, verse 13 says, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants us to be Christ-like. And if we're going to be Christ-like, we're going to have to suffer like Christ suffered. I remember going through these trials that I had people from all over the country writing me, calling me, emailing me and saying, how you doing? How you doing? We're praying for you. Boy, it was really special to have all these folks responding. How can we pray? You know what I always say to them? I'd say, please pray that I'll respond with a Christ-like attitude. Please pray that I'll handle this the way the Lord Jesus Christ would handle. Please pray that God will give clear direction because I didn't want to be a poor testimony in the situation. Now, let me remind you, anytime you go through trials or challenges like this, the first thing you ought to do is self-examination. Because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And you want to make sure that things are, I'll tell you, when you go through trials like I went through, I'm telling you, you're, you're on your face before the Lord, saying, search me, O God. Try me, know me. I, I, I want to make sure that there's no wicked way in me. Make sure, check this all out. And it was amazing how God worked in my life. Um, we had Rich Tozier come and preach for us. Um, in the midst of this, that he didn't even know any of what was going on. It was actually before a lot of it came to a, to, a, to a head, but he was there preaching, and he didn't have a clue about anything that was going on. I, I'm telling you, it was the first time we've ever had a revival meeting where every message in my diary, I can point to a specific thing that God spoke to me about and dealt with me on. He didn't even know. He, he went into our staff, and we had our all staff together, and I wanted him to preach to our staff. And he preached to our staff out of Acts chapter 6. 
You're familiar with Acts chapter 6? Turn back to Acts chapter 6. I want you to see this. This is how God works. He didn't have a clue what was going on. But in Acts chapter 6, as they were, the church was growing and there was murmuring in the church. Boy, I could relate to that one. We were in the midst of a, a development project and we were trying to decide to build or not to build or to develop or not to develop. And I was trying to explain to people all that we wanted to do with the property and how we could get TIF money from the, the city. And we had one man that even made buttons when we did the vote. Too much if and TIF. You know, it was like a political rally. I, I mean, I never had anything like this. And all the things that were going on as we were trying to figure out what we should do as a ministry. But he says, there were murmurings. And, and he said, you know, what we need to do is, brethren, verse 3, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, where the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. That was the apostles. The spiritual leaders saying, we need some people who can handle this business so we can give ourselves continue to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And boy, he went on talking about the responsibility of Christian leadership to pray and to minister the word of God. And I'll tell you, the Lord slayed me because, you see, I had given myself to property. We have 110 acres of property. And in 2000, they built an interchange right at our property by the grace of God. And our property went from being valued at $10,000 an acre to like a quarter of a million dollars per acre. As a matter of fact, I was working this afternoon a lot trying to get closing um, finished up and get some numbers put together and trying to get this thing done so that we can uh, close our property and have uh, uh, 78 acres of it sold for almost $18 million. And we're praying the Lord will get it done so that we can utilize funds to accomplish some more things around the world for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, it has been horrendous, and I think part of the problem was me. Because uh, since 2000, I've been focused on property. And I said, I've got to handle this. I can remember, I mean, you talk about pride. I went into a men's meeting, tried to tell them, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be able to preach as often as I used to preach because I've got to walk, walk, work on this property, and I need to make sure it's done right. And I think my motives were pure. I was saying, man, I've got, because this could make us or break us. If it's done right and we develop this right, we could have millions of dollars for the mission field. And if we don't do it right, you know, we can have a, a terrible community around us. And men, I've got to take charge. And I thought, I, 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 I. What about God, 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 God? Boy, I'm telling you, the Lord slayed me about my pride and about my wrong priorities. I mean, we need to get some other people to point over this business so I can give myself to praying and preaching and taking care of the spiritual needs of people. And I'm telling you, I got slayed. And I got up in front of our staff and I said, please forgive me. God's dealt with me today. I've had wrong priorities, and I need to get some things right. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen with this property, but I'm out. And Mark Bainbridge, you're it. <laughs> Kristen is here, and I said, listen, here's a staff member that I'm going to point over this business. And by the way, he's done a far better job than I ever could have done in bringing this to what it looks like might be a positive conclusion. But, you know, I had to get some things right. We used to have a prayer meeting every week for the pastors, and that's great to have a prayer meeting every week. But what about every day? Let's just be giving ourselves to prayer and preaching. Now we have a prayer meeting every day. You see, sometimes God's trying to get your attention in something and trying to mold you into the image of Jesus Christ and get your priorities right and get you focused where you need to be focused. And I'm telling you, we've got to do that self-examination. But let me remind you, sometimes um, he's doing it because um, of he's just trying and seeing what you're made of and seeing if he can trust you with more. You ever read Joe? I read it about every day. 
because you know you, you try to get everything right you know to get right and you say now lord it's still it's still coming bam 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 what's going on but job was a, a righteous man but what was god doing he was strengthening him and he was proven to the devil that there were men that would stand no matter what the circumstances well that's what we ought to be we ought to be faithful no matter what the circumstances steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord for as much as your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Any of you weightlifters? I didn't think so. <laughs> kind of been looking around, but you know, Todd, I know you lifted weights before. Now, when you lift weights and you want to build up your muscles, do you put on more weights or less weights? I think you can handle that much, okay? More weights or less weight? What do you think God has to do when he strengthens us? More, more trials. More difficulties. More, Why? Because it drives us to our knees and drives us to the Word of God. And it strengthens us for some greater trials that are going to come our way. Some other difficult situations we have to handle. He has to put on the weights to strengthen us so that we can be used the way He wants to use us. Praise the Lord for His willingness to love us so much that He brings us through these difficult situations by His grace so He can conform us to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. So remember the purpose. Rejoice in the providence of God. Remember the purpose of God. You know, whom he foreknow, he's predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, back in James chapter 2, he gives us a promise. And I, I like this. Because he says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and he'll consider whether he'll give it to you or not. Let him ask of God, and he may be willing to let you have in on the truth. Uh, he, he might determine that he'll help you out. Is that what he says? No, he says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Do you believe that? Do you believe my God can supply all your needs? Do you believe that I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me? Do you believe trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not that I don't understand all that is acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path? Do you believe that there's no temptation taking you but such as common to man? But God is faithful. He will not tempt you above what you're able. will rule up the temptation also give you a way of escape, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. Do you believe that? Listen, folks, I'll tell you. I've learned the only way I can handle anything in life is through the word of God. Number three, rely on the promises of God. Rely on the promises of God. Jesus Christ, when the devil tried to defeat him, in Matthew chapter 4, every time, what did Jesus Christ do? What did he do? He quoted scripture. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And he defeated the devil with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put on the whole armor of God that can stand against the wiles of the devil, taking the sword of the Spirit. That's the offensive weapon, which is the Word of God. Folks, I'm telling you, the reason we should memorize the Word of God is not to impress people, not to make people think we're good little Christians, but it's to defeat the devil and to be able to stand in the times of trials and difficulties. Memorize Scripture. Go to the promises of God. I'll tell you, my wife, the year before, had taken the ladies through the Psalms. I mean, what, what a providential 
happening from the Lord. And she said to me, she said, you know what's been such a wonderful study. I just really enjoyed it. So I decided before this whole year began, I said, I'm going to read the Psalms. And I'm going to read them, you know, every month. You read five Psalms every day. You can go through the Psalms every month. Just like I would read a proverb of the day and go through the Proverbs every month. I decided I was going to go through the Psalms every month. God knew I needed it. Let's, let's look at a few of them, okay? Go back to the Psalm. And I mean, I mean, we could spend the rest of tonight, tomorrow, and the rest of the week just looking at some of these Psalms. And I've committed many, many of them to memory. But let's start in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 13 and 14 have become just so precious to me. I would have fainted except to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what I said to our deacons? I said, I would have fainted except to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of Tri-City. Sometimes you have to go back and remember how God's brought you through some other situations. On my third year at Tri-City, the chairman of the deacons with a couple other deacons, some other families, left the church. I mean, I was 36 years of age. i just become the new pastor. I mean, I thought everybody loved me. I had a 97% vote, you know. But um, I, I, I was about to die. I didn't think I was going to survive. I remember grabbing uh, a deacon friend and pegging him in my office and weeping on my, my, on my knees and I couldn't understand what was going on. I mean, I understood why some people would leave other churches. But I'm a nice guy. I get along with people. Why would they leave our church? And I'm telling you, it, it hurt. And I would have fainted. Except to see the goodness of the Lord in some of these other situations. I tell our preacher boys, in the first year, you get to know the people. The second year, the people get to know you. The third year, the people decide whether they're going to stay. The fourth year, you decide whether you're going to stay. <laughs> and then the fifth year, you start your ministry. And if you're not willing to go someplace and stay five years, then don't go. Because you're just the blessing could be just around the corner. And by the way, two of those men that left, those deacons are back in our church serving with us. You know, just love them even as they leave so they can come back. You know, they, they may come back and leave the door open for that. Don't ah, good rid of the bad rubbish. Be back, back door revival. Hallelujah. They were not right with God. No, no, respond the way the Lord Jesus Christ responded. Let them be critical of you. Don't be critical back. you got two critical people. Or at least people criticizing the critical. They go, whoa, this doesn't make much sense. You know, respond properly. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Go, if you uh, would, to uh, Proverbs chapter 41. Proverbs chapter 41. God is our refuge and strength. Excuse me, that's 46. Psalm 41, verses 9 and 12. Yea, mine own familiar... Oh, yeah, well, how could I forget this one? Oh, yeah, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, has raised up his heel against me. A business manager that I would have trusted my very life to. And a lot of other people would have too. And some other people that turned on me and believed him instead of believing me and, and said I was a liar, a deceit, and all. I mean, but as for me, verse 12, thou upholdest me in mine integrity and settest me before thy face forever. You can read something similar in Psalm 55. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Be still and know that I am God. Let's rejoice in the providence of God. God's still in control. He's still handling things. Psalm 56. Psalm 56. And verse 3 says, What time am I afraid I will trust in thee? Verse 11. 
In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what men can do unto me. And I won't even be afraid of what women could do unto me. And sometimes that's worse. And if you know what I'm talking about, within the, you know, that's the Bible runs against the contentious woman. And uh, sometimes uh, it's amazing what they can do in a ministry, and that's not positive. Psalm 61 in verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 73. Psalm 73 in verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In verse 28 says, it's good for me to draw near to God. And I'll tell you, in times like that, it draws you near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Psalm 86, special passage of Scripture for me because I claim this passage of Scripture and God has answered a prayer that I prayed. And I, I can't go into all the details, but there were some struggles in the American Association of Christian Schools and there were some difficulties and some things and accusations and some things were taking place and, and I, just, I, I read this psalm and I claimed it. And I've got ver a, a date written down here. And uh, when, when I claimed it, and I've got a date when God answered the prayer. It says, But thou, O Lord, oh, excuse me, I'll start reading verse 14. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant. Save the son of thine handmaid. Show me... He's done this, a token for good. That they which hate me may see it and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast hoped me and comforted me. Boy, I tell you, you learn some lessons in the valleys that you'll never learn on the mountaintop. Thou, Lord, hast helped me and brought me through. Psalm 109, and we can tell you, I just have to skip some because there's so many. Psalm 109, verse 26 and 27. Help me, O Lord my God. O save me according to thy mercy that they may know that this is thy hand and that thou, Lord, hast done it. As we close this property, I want to put a big rock out front as a memorial. We've been studying through Joshua on Wednesday night so that all our children and our grandchildren will know what the Lord God has done. You, you, there's just no way that we could have accomplished what God has accomplished with that property and with some of the struggles and the trials that we've been through. There's no way. And I want the generations to come to know what my God can do if we'll just trust him and allow him to have his will and way. Psalm 112, verse 7 and 8, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. God's comfort and encouragement. And then Psalm 143, Psalm 143, as we get into some of these passages of Scripture that, that just tell us to meditate on the Lord. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all thy works, I muse on the work of thy hands. Psalm 146 and verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God. See, what we do is rely on the promises of God. And I'll tell you, going through it, you don't see it sometimes. But looking back on it, you can say, Hallelujah, God is faithful. That's not the question. 
The question is, will I be faithful? I had to go through that process of evaluating my call. You know, in times like this, you have people leaving the church, you have people questioning whether you should be the pastor. I had somebody come in and say, Pastor, you promised never to split the church and you're doing it. You said if you ever split the church, you would resign before you'd split the church, so you need to resign. I'm telling you, you used to do mind games. And I, I had to evaluate my call. I had to say, now, Lord, first of all, do you, do you still want me to pastor? Maybe you're trying to get my attention. Maybe what you're trying to say is I need to let somebody else take the church and I should go into itinerant work and I should be involved in doing other things. I thought about getting a truck and trail and traveling with the boys. You know, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. They didn't want me to do that, but maybe I was what I'm supposed to do. You know, you play games with yourself. And, and I had to get that settled in my mind. And Joshua 1.9 has always been such an encouragement. Have I not commanded thee? Then be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then I had to evaluate, well, I'm supposed to pastor. I know that's what I'm called to do. I love it. But maybe God wants me to pastor someplace else. There was a church looking for a pastor and, and calling me and asking me about coming to be their pastor. And, you know, I had to go through that mind game. I remember going away with our young people and asking the deacons to meet without me. And I wanted them to tell me, if I'm the problem, please be honest. I don't have to be here. And uh, coming back and them saying, no, we don't think you're the problem. We think you're our pastor and we want you to stay. And I just so rejoiced in that. And, but, you know, you go through those things and you evaluate. But if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And how sad when the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So if my strength is small, whose fault is it? Is it God's? No, it's mine. So, you know what? I just had to decide, seeing therefore we have this ministry as we receive mercy, we faint not. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed how? Day by day. Men must always pray and not to faint. Don't faint. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall, if we... Please, Lord, next couple of weeks, close that property, would you? I'm getting a little weary. You know, it... You know, the Proverbs, you know, talks about how hope deferred maketh the heart sick, that when the cometh, it is a tree of life. And I've seen that time and time again. So why should I be discouraged? His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he cares for me. You see, we have to rely on the promises of God. We have to get into the Word. And I'm telling you, it's not really when you feel like getting in the Word of God. It's when you feel like having a pity party for yourself. You feel like complaining to the Lord and to everyone else. And you feel like, you know, taking on the, 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 the task of trying to defend yourself. But you know what Jesus Christ did on the cross? He just said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. And he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You overcome evil with good. Boy, tough. Having the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You having trouble forgiving somebody? You better be careful. Remember what the Lord has forgiven you. You holding that grudge? Keeping that bitterness? Boy, aren't you glad the Lord can get bitter with us? Aren't you glad the Lord is long-suffering toward us? You know, it's time for us to let go of it. Say, Father... I'm sorry. You know, I've had these people say, well, you can't forgive somebody until they ask forgiveness. Well, then I would be a bitter man. I'd be a bitter man. 
And I didn't see anybody go up to the cross and say, no, Lord, would you please forgive me for crucifying you? I, you know, I think he forgave without anybody asking. Now, if they ask, praise the Lord. But I'll tell you what, you better forgive them whether they ask for it or not or whether they accept your forgiveness or not or it'll eat you up. And I'm telling you, the Bible makes it plain that you should beware of bitterness because many are defiled thereby. I'll tell you who gets defiled the most, our children, our loved ones, other church members. You know, we need to make sure that we're doing it God's way. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Any of you read Jim's, Jim Berg's book? I, I, I'm not sure of the exact title. I think it's something like uh, Stabilizing Truths for Trouble or something like that. Is that, is that correct, hon? Stabilizing Truths or Terrific Truths for Trouble? Or, I don't know. I don't know if we have it in our bookstore or not, but it's How to Deal with Trouble. And he has four stabilizing truths to deal with trouble. I've never been able to um, remember those, and so I, put, I, I added one and made five, and I've come up with a little acrostic. It's surprising, right, that I would come up with an acrostic, but in, in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 12, we read about the Apostle Paul who said in verse 7, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And I think this was a physical thing. I think sometimes we as pastors have some people in our churches. But that's what they're there for, is to keep us humble, uh, keep us mindful that we don't have all the answers. Now, I'm not asking you to go home and be one of those, okay? But it seems like about the time one straightens around, somebody else joins the church. And it's just kind of the way it is. Of course, every church has one, and we're a larger church, so I got three. But I just, you know, I, everybody has them. He says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted of my measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, read it, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, rejoice, for I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ, that I might be like the Lord Jesus Christ, that's his purpose, might rest upon me, that's his promise that we will become like Christ if we'll rejoice. So I came up with an acrostic with the word grace. Jim Bird's four truths are in here. You'll have to get the book to find out which ones they are. And I had another one. But grace, God's grace, G-R-A-C-E, G, God's grace is sufficient. Amen? God's grace is sufficient. Isn't that what he said? My grace is sufficient. So when God says it, that settles it. Whether we understand it or not, we trust in the Word of God. God's grace is sufficient. R. God's reason is Christ-likeness. His reason is Christ-likeness. He's trying to make us into the image of Jesus Christ. And it takes a little pressure sometimes to move the vessel. His reason is Christ-like. A. God's answers are in the Bible. Go to the Word of God. That's where we're going to get comfort. That's where we're going to get answers. That's where we're going to get the truth. That's where the promises come from. Get into the Word of God. God's answers are in the Bible. C, God's compassion is constant. God still loves us. He always loves us. His love is never ending. And He still loves us. His compassion is constant. Don't get mad at God. He's working it all together for good. And E, God's escape is promised. God's escape is promised. You know, we're not totally out of it. But people ask me all the time, how's the church doing? I say, we're, we're climbing back up the mountaintop. 
And we really are. And I hope we'll take off the mountaintop and soar like eagles. We're sure not in the valley anymore. And, you know, I, I hate losing people. I just got a call yesterday that one other family came back and would left us and was visiting again on Sunday. And we have two other families that have left and I'll come back. You know, some people are starting to wake up and realize maybe everything wasn't exactly the truth. And they visited a lot of other churches. You know, it's been interesting. Most of the people that left our church went to other churches that we started. Praise the Lord, they didn't go off to charismatic churches and liberal churches. You know, that they went to other churches that are good Bible-believing, bible And sometimes God has a scattering principle. I read Pickering's book on the hurting pastor during this time, and he gave five reasons why people leave church. I won't bore you with them all, but one of them was just to, to scatter them out and to, to use them other places. You know, this way we don't have to have double services anymore. You know, so there's some blessings. Some of our people are rejoicing. You know, they said, man, hallelujah, we can just have one service again. You know, it, you know Whatever, but I don't always understand what he's trying to do, but I'll guarantee you his escape is promised. And I know in Job's life, the end was better than the beginning. And I know in Joseph's life, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I'm just going to trust in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and try to have the mind of Christ in dealing with the trials of life. Let me ask you. Is everything going to be hunky-dory at Tri-City the rest of the day? So everybody love Pastor Herbster from now on? No more critical comments ever about me? And No. I know that's not the case. And I realize that God has taken us through some things, I, I hope, to purify us and cleanse us and make us stronger for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's amazing God accomplished anything with the sin that was in our camp. Study the story of Achan in the book of John. It's amazing that God accomplished anything with the sin that was in our camp. God has to purge and God has to purify and God has to perfect. Will we let him do it in our lives, in our families, in our ministries? Having the mind of Christ in dealing with the trials of life, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the truths learned from the Word of God will challenge your heart to a greater degree of love for God and a desire to make Him known through your life. Join us tomorrow for the next message. Thank you, and may God bless you.